Welcome to the latest edition of our Fixed Interests podcast series. I'm Thomas Rookmaker, Head of Asia-Pacific Sovereign Ratings. Today I'm joined by Sagarika Chandra and Christianus Krustins, both directors on Fitch's sovereign team and lead analysts for a number of sovereigns in the APAC region. We'll be discussing the outlook for APAC frontier markets and in particular Bangladesh, Mongolia, Pakistan and Sri Lanka. Frontier markets continue to face external financing challenges. U.S. yields are currently at levels unseen in the past 15 years and the U.S. dollar is likely to remain strong. And hence, Fitch Ratings expects a number of frontier markets to remain dependent on official financing and IMF programs. So, Christianus, how do we see the role of an IMF program from a ratings perspective, for instance, in Pakistan? Thank you, Thomas. Well, in Pakistan, the IMF program is is really the only thing keeping the show on the road. In July, when Pakistan secured a staff-level agreement with the IMF after a long period of uncertainty, we upgraded from triple C minus to triple C, still indicating that um, there is very high credit risk and default is a real possibility according to our definitions, but signaling that with the IMF program in place, more uh, financing is going to be secured. There is going to be a policy anchor around the elections that is staving off immediate financial stress. It is a policy anchor. It is critical to other financial support, even from the so-called friendly countries, China, Saudi Arabia, UAE, and so on. But it is imperfect. Pakistan has a record of going off track previous programs, and it doesn't address the long-term structural issues facing Pakistan. Thank you, Christianus. Now let's turn to Sagarika. So Sri Lanka's IMF program is closely linked to the debt restructuring process. So how do we see the prospects for Sri Lanka in 2024? Thanks, Thomas. Yeah, Sri Lanka has uh, completed the domestic debt restructuring, uh, which is one component of the overall debt restructuring that Sri Lanka has to go through. And uh, we recently upgraded uh, the local currency IDR for Sri Lanka to triple C minus. So a couple of uh, factors that will determine the outlook and prospects for Sri Lanka in 2024 is how quickly they can make progress on the external debt restructuring and because that will have implications for Sri Lanka's overall debt outlook. And there is, of course, the macroeconomic performance, which Sri Lanka seems to be, the economy is coming out of the contraction that we we saw uh, in the last year. And in terms of the uh, external metrics, a lot of it will depend on the external debt restructuring. So that is something which we are still monitoring. What we have information about as of now is the fact that the first uh, review of the IMF program, which the tough level agreement on the first review of the IMF program has been reached. Uh, because the authorities have received official assurances, financing assurances, but this is still being uh, vetted by the IMF. So the details of this are not yet clear. But once the financing assurances from official creditors on the external debt is reached, then the IMF program can proceed. That will also have an impact on what we see as prospects for Sri Lanka in 2024. So just to summarize, it will be a combination of progress being made by Sri Lanka on the external debt restructuring component and then you know how the macroeconomy is performing. So next year, elections are scheduled in all four of the frontier markets we are discussing today. So Christianus, uh, how do you expect the elections in Mongolia and Pakistan to impact the credit profile? 
perhaps starting with Pakistan. So elections are now pretty firmly scheduled for the end of January next year. We think it's less about the outcome in Pakistan than and more about the uncertainty and the potential for political volatility surrounding the election period. So Pakistan's political scene isn't really characterized by big, bold, competing visions for economic policy. And governments across the political spectrum have variously initiated IMF programs, they have done reforms necessary for those, and they have also led to those programs being suspended or completed unsuccessfully. However, as we saw throughout the summer, there's a lot of potential for political and social instabilities. And this brings forth the risk of policy paralysis leading up to and immediately following the elections. The IMF program that that Pakistan has now expires in March 2024. As we discussed earlier, a new follow-on program will likely be required if there is no government with the capacity to act early in the next year, then Pakistan could again face this situation where there is no IMF program, no other financing, reserves are falling, and um, the situation begins to look dire. If we switch to Mongolia, the uncertainty is a bit smaller there. So elections are due by June 2024. We don't really expect a large upset. The incumbent uh, Mongolian People's Party appears to be quite strong, although support has slipped slightly in the opinion polls following large-scale protests about corruption and the mismanagement of Mongolia's natural resources. I suppose the largest risk is in the context of the fiscal and current account surpluses that Mongolia has accumulated uh, this year amid a very, very supportive commodity export outlook. And we think there is certainly a risk that these could be um, spent unwisely in the lead up to the elections. And Sagarika, what about the elections in Bangladesh and Sri Lanka? Yeah, thanks, Thomas. Start with Bangladesh. They have elections in early 2024. We are seeing protests in Bangladesh, which is against the ruling Awami League. The opposition, uh, led by the BNPs, has organized protests because uh, they would want a caretaker government to be installed before the elections so that the outcome, in their opinion, is more transparent and fair. What does it all mean for Bangladesh in terms of economy and policy? Our uh, view is that till the elections, these protests and the uncertainty associated with it does create some challenges. On the policy front, uh, Bangladesh is under an IMF program and they do need to undertake several reforms. The uncertainty associated with the elections and the ongoing protesters make the policy outlook uh, quite challenging. Beyond the elections, our baseline is there is likely to be not much change in the overall policy framework. But again, given their performance so far under the IMF program and the reforms, which hasn't been actually up to the mark, there there is quite a, a difficult path that we see in terms of uh, Bangladesh being able to push through with some of these tough reforms. For Sri Lanka, again, uh, the elections does create you know uncertainty uh, in terms of the outlook. But they have made quite good progress so far on the IMF program. Again, a lot of the measures are to do with with, uh, raising taxes and improving their um, management of the exchange rate in, uh, you know, much more independence for the central bank. And they have already taken a lot of these steps. 
So while there is uncertainty and there is a, a risk of a shift in policy after the elections in Sri Lanka, the track record so far under the IMF program has been reasonably good. But yes, we are going to, of course, monitor you know these developments in both countries. So China plays an important role in many frontier markets as a major trade partner and a provider of FDI and other financing. And that begs the question, uh, how do weak economic activity in China as a result of the property slump there impacts the frontier market credits uh, that we cover? So, Christianis, how do you see this for Mongolia and Pakistan? In Pakistan, China is not an outsized uh, trading partner. It is a large trading partner, but it is one of many. The more important link is that it is a major source of financial support, FDI, debt, and other financing. We expect this to continue despite China's economic slowdown, given the strategic importance of uh, Pakistan to China, in particular in the context of the China-Pakistan Economic Corridor, or CPEC. And China has been quite instrumental in helping Pakistan managing its large debt burden and maturities. So if we look at the wall of maturities that Pakistan faces, we can generally assume that the maturities due to Chinese institutions are are likely to be refinanced more easily. However, it has become apparent over the past year or two that China's support is also conditional on some of the Keystone um, CPEC projects, which um, may be very important to China, but it is not always clear that they are the most immediate priority for Pakistan. And these projects do tend to be debt financed, for example, the new nuclear power plant, They increase Pakistan's already large external debt burden, and this is probably viewed unfavorably and complicates relations with other creditors, uh, notably the IMF. In Mongolia, the situation is actually the other way around. 90% of Mongolia's exports are commodities to China, whereas financing is relatively less important. There's been no sign of export slowdown from Mongolia to China. In fact, exports have been booming, helped by China's border reopening and new rail links. This is quite surprising, particularly as Australia has resumed coal exports to China. And clearly, Mongolia would be extremely vulnerable to a shift in the outlook for coal, whether it is because of demand in China or other global factors. Thank you, Christianis. Sagarika, how would you characterize the role that China plays in Sri Lanka? And how do you see this impact Sri Lanka's credit profile? Um, yeah, so in terms of trade, China is not a major trading partner for Sri Lanka, but China is one of the top sources for tourist arrivals into Sri Lanka. The thing I think which we are focusing on more is the role that China plays in the evolution of Sri Lanka's debt profile. Because when we look at the debt owed to bilateral creditors, uh, China is one of the largest uh, for Sri Lanka. And the debt that Sri Lanka owes to China is part of the debt restructuring, which is undergoing at the moment. So how that is going to evolve, and therefore China's role is the key, is going to have an impact on Sri Lanka's credit profile. In terms of investments in Sri Lanka from China, the way these investments were performing in Sri Lanka. So on that, I think the outlook remains largely the same. But the key thing to focus, I think, for credit profile of Sri Lanka and China's role in that is how this is going to impact Sri Lanka's debt outlook. 
So one of our most recent uh, rating actions was the revision of the outlook on Bangladesh's double B minus rating to negative. So Sagarika, how do we see the prospects for Bangladesh? Yeah, so again, on Bangladesh, the key vulnerability has emerged on the external finances. So Bangladesh has lost a lot of reserves. It's a combination of factors. It is to also do with the external environment because they were hit quite hard by an increase in commodity prices. And the other element is the way a macro policy has been managed, especially with respect to the management of the exchange rates in Bangladesh. So combination of those factors has led to central bank not receiving a requisite amount of uh, reserves or foreign exchange that they would uh, need to stabilize, you know, the external finances. A lot of the foreign currency right now in Bangladesh is going through informal channels and it's not reaching the central bank. So until we see an improvement in the management of the exchange rate, especially in Bangladesh, it's likely that the FX reserves situation in Bangladesh is going to remain quite challenging. And we have been looking at the data, which uh, now is available on a much more frequent basis for Bangladesh. And even before we took the rating action and after that, there hasn't been a significant buildup in reserves. It is more or less at the same level or it's kind of stabilizing. On the macro prospects, however, we we still see the economies uh, to be performing uh, reasonably well. We have very high growth expectations for Bangladesh uh, this year and the next two years. But it's the external metrics which we think are going to remain a weakness for the credit, at least under our rating horizon. Well, thanks for your insights, Sagarika and Krishianas, and thank you all for listening. For more information on our ratings and on our research on frontier markets, please visit us at fitchratings.com. We hope you will join us for the next edition of Fixed Interests.